Welcome to Taiwan Report News Brief, news analysis and context from Taichung, Taiwan. I'm Donovan Smith. All right, this is part three in a three-part series because this topic kind of turned into a bit of a monster. Uh, be sure to check out parts two and three before checking this one out. It'll give you a little bit more context. All right, let's dive in. In his run for Kaohsiung mayor, Han Guoyu ran a positive feel-good campaign, heavy on nostalgia for the boom-time economy of the late authoritarian era, promises to turn around Kaohsiung's economy, ROC nationalism, and grand promises, some of them obviously impractical, like drilling for oil in the South China Sea in a giant um, Ferris wheel motel by the Love River. It was a huge hit with those who grew up during the boom times, basically the 45 to 65 age bracket. But he drew some support from other groups as well. His supporters, the Han fans, were far more fervent and passionate than any supporters of any candidate I can think of in Taiwan's history, surpassing even Ke, Ke Kuenze's famously passionate supporters in 2014. His campaign sparked enthusiasm nationwide, and the so-called Han Wave helped the KMT make widespread gains all across the country, including Han-winning Kaohsiung, which had been in DPP hands for 20 years. Within months of him taking office, he began to obviously flirt with running for president, and especially younger people took a hard turn against him, a kind of mirror opposite of the Han fans. By the time school graduations rolled around, students were using clever ways to show their displeasure with him as he handed out their diplomas, such as flashing written messages to the audience. By summer, Han was the presidential nominee for the KMT. It was during this time his messaging turned darker and unlike in the mayoral campaign, he went on the attack against his opponent. The positivity of the mayoral campaign was largely gone and had turned into something uglier. I can't know for sure if that was a well-thought-out change of strategy or not, but I doubt it. I think he was responding to the sheer intensity of the situation. It was a presidential race, after all. On the one hand, Pan Blue Media was fawning on him, with, at one point, CTI TV News running over 60% of their entire coverage just on him. At his rallies, his fervent followers treated him like the Messiah. On the other hand, however, he was intensely hated, especially by the young. Pangreen media was on the attack, and he was mocked and booed at events like Spring Scream. Online, the attacks on him were widespread, some of it quite funny, but some of it pretty vicious. Many voters again, especially the younger ones, were genuinely terrified of him winning. Taiwan as a free, democratic, and independent nation is a big part of their identity. Han's open nostalgia for the martial law era and old-school ROC one-China ideology was a nightmare come true for them. Many also doubted his ability to govern due to his erratic behavior and frequent gaffes. But perhaps most alarmingly was his open desire to grow closer to China economically and politically. And that forms a lot of the backdrop to the campaign. Since President Tsai took office, Beijing turned increasingly hostile and bullying towards Taiwan. They poached diplomatic partners, got Taiwan kicked out of international organizations, increased the threatening rhetoric, 
and doubled down on efforts to undermine Taiwan's democracy. Talk of using force increased and People's Liberation Army incursions into Taiwan air defense identification zone became more and more common. Chinese Chairman Xi Jinping then explicitly tied the 92 consensus to the one country, two systems formula used in Hong Kong. Even the KMT protested against that, but yet Han continued to support the 92 consensus. And just in case anyone doubted what sort of partner Han was hoping to work with, during this time, Hong Kong exploded in protests against the increasingly repressive PRC government in their territory. The crackdown in Hong Kong was violent and vicious, and it was becoming clear that the Chinese Communist Party fully intended to stamp out any dissent in the city. Han's response? He just brushed it off initially even denying it was going on and pretending ignorance. Adding to the suspicions is the fact that earlier as mayor, he had visited Hong Kong and visited the PRC's official representatives in the city to meet the oppressors in person. It was also becoming clearer and clearer that Beijing was conducting a genocide in East Turkestan, a.k.a. Xinjiang, and was growing increasingly oppressive to their, towards their entire population. This country, which openly wants to annex Taiwan and refuses to renounce the use of force, is the very country Han wanted to grow closer to. Beijing was obvious in their support for Han and mobilized money and United Front propaganda on his behalf. Han also studied, by the way, for a PhD at Beijing University, spending eight years living in the Chinese capital. So he is fully well aware of what living under the communists means. Yet, there was no indication he was genuinely concerned about any of this. His largely older supporters trusted his old-school KMT ideology and ROC patriotism was of the type that kept Taiwan out of the communists' hands, like in the days of old. The younger generations weren't buying any of this. Among them, Suspicions were widespread that if he won the country, if he won, the country would take a lurch back toward the direction of authoritarianism and open the door to further Chinese encroachment in Taiwan economically and politically, making Taiwan even more dependent on an enemy state. Some even feared he might negotiate negotiate away Taiwan to Beijing under some version of one country, two systems. In short, they felt their entire way of life and their entire country would be under threat if he won. So they were very, very afraid. In response to Han's movement, which could almost be viewed as a counter-movement to the Sunflower Movement, a new heavily youth-oriented movement sprung up. It wasn't organized for the most part. It was amorphous and distributed in nature. Information was spread online and passed around. Comedy was at the heart of much of this movement. Memes were spread, mocking Han, and passed around. YouTube shows, most prominently Brian Zung's Brian's Night Night Show, or Buon's Ye Ye Show, which followed the model of late night shows in the U.S., both interviewed and mocked politicians. Both President Tsai and Han showed up to be interviewed. Being interested in politics and participating once again became cool. When election time came, their turnout was huge. Well, it didn't tip the scales in the end, as Bado noted, it sent a huge statement. And it didn't end with the election. 
organizers, once again largely young, launched a campaign to get Han recalled as Kaohsiung mayor. It was a huge effort, requiring collecting signatures on a mass scale and getting the word out. In the end, they were successful in deposing Han as mayor, with the voters handing them a respectable margin of victory. Now, unlike the Sunflower Movement, the movement to stop Han didn't really have a central protest, symbol, or name. But it was a huge movement nonetheless. Now, as for Han and his movement, he's still around and still has a loyal fan base. It's worth noting, by the way, that in 2020, he also got a much higher turnout than Eric Chu did for the KMT in 2016. Now, judging by his public appearances, who who he's been meeting up with, his Instagram posts, and the fact that he tried in the past, there's a very strong chance he's going to run for KMT chair. The KMT chair race, originally scheduled for July 28th, has been postponed due to the pandemic. No new date has been set yet. If he were to to excuse me, if he were to run and actually win, it would be a huge blow to the KMT's chances going forward. The party has only a tiny handful of members under the age of forty, though current chair Johnny Chang has been Jiang Jichen has been trying hard and has boosted the numbers slightly. With Han in charge, the party would only attract extreme political outliers in the under forty set making an already dire situation for the KMT worse. And it would, once again, galvanize opposition to the party. However, going forward, due to Taiwan's continuously declining birth rate, youth are going to be a shrinking demographic. Vado ended his post with this. Quote, The number of young voters is about to dramatically decrease. There were 1.51 million people in the 20 to 24 age cohort. There were 1.25 million in the 15 to 19 age cohort and 1.01 million in the 10 to 14 age cohort. All right, that's it for part three. I hope you enjoyed this series. Um, Be sure to hit like and subscribe, and uh, we very much appreciate it, and it means a lot to us uh, if you – to all of those who joined us as patrons on patreon.com slash Taiwan report. All right. Until the next show. See you next time. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw. Hey, 